1: To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And as always, thank you for joining us, listening, sharing our podcasts, our blogs, and you are really the community that makes all of this so worthwhile for us. We really appreciate you. And if you could do us a favor, wherever you are listening to us. If you wouldn't mind stopping by, leaving a rating and a review, that definitely helps us out. And over the last couple of months, we have not shied away from some controversy. We've dropped some podcast episodes that have stirred quite the discussion, a couple of blog posts that we have that are really looking at some of the different factions in the field. And a lot of this boils down to money. And I think that... (laughs) It's something where, you know, if I'm going to reference the wedding singer, you know, we we have some money, we keep it in a jar above our fridge, we'd like to put more money in that jar. So that way we can buy goods and services to take care of ourselves. (laughs) And this is also being very much held up with some of the feedback that we're getting of, you know, some, some therapists might be in this field for the wrong reason to become rich and this is being pointed out by people who might be either considering entering into the mental health field, just entering, might not even be in the mental health field at all, but we're hearing criticisms that we shouldn't be in this for the money, especially as a helping profession. And I don't think it's as simple as a yes or no thing, and that's what we're diving into today.
0: Yeah, it was pretty shocking to me. Uh, For the conference, I've been putting up some ads. And one of them is about being a six-figure therapist and awesome copy written by Katie Reed, who is amazing at it. And she was basically putting out there, and these are ideas that we've talked about, which is that if you're thinking about being a six-figure therapist or dreaming of being a six-figure therapist, you're aiming too low. And then goes on to talk about how the field has kind of been rigged against us, that we oftentimes are low paid. And then goes further on and saying you don't want six figures you want how you're going to feel at six figures and and all of those good things. So we'll we'll link to the to the ad <laughs> in our show notes so you can read it because it's I think really says a lot. But it's been very interesting to get these hater comments and anger emojis around this calling that gross or yuck or Totally shallow and effed up, and all of this stuff that therapists who want to make money or who are in it in for the money or those kinds of things are awful. They're bad, and we looked, and some of these people are seemed more like trolls. <laughs> some of them actually seemed like there were people that truly care about other people and thought this was in poor taste that we would want this. And so, to me, I think the biggest thing is as a profession are we being asked to to have a vow of poverty? Are we being asked to be saints in truth and only be present for the service of our clients to help others? And I think in the past, I think this has been, you know, blank slate, we're invisible, this is just for the clients. It's been more of a, a philosophical thing, which we've talked about many times changing. But currently it really is about how much money we ask for, how much money we make, how visible our financial success is. I don't even know what the right word way to describe it, but it seems like that's that's what people are very offended by.
1: And I think some of these comments are really about what somebody's motivations for entering into this field is really about. And I do hold that yeah, there is some truth that if you are entering in this field to get rich, you're in this field for the wrong reasons. Yes. Now, That does not mean that you shouldn't be able to make a living wage and a upwardly mobile sort of economic, socioeconomic status for yourself. Uh, General studies, and I'll put a link in the show notes at MTSG podcasts on this, but general economic studies in the United States showed that with slight cost of living area, that people are happiest at about $75,000 a year of income. And so pointing to this particular ad that Katie's referencing, that by the time that you look at being a six-figure therapist, by the time that your business overheads go into that, paying for rent, paying for uh, things that make your office run, the EHRs, your advertising taxes, that even at six figures, all of a sudden, we're already below that 75000 yeah. right there. And that doesn't take into account... Any of the investments that you've made to go through graduate school, go through potentially years of unpaid, pre-licensed associateships or, or severely underpaid associateships, that you're now trying to make up for all of this past income that you haven't made. And so I... Katie and I both live in the Los Angeles area, so cost of living here and even the overhead expenses on our offices is essentially much higher than it is in other places in the country. So kind of looking at this, depending on what area of the country that you're in, might also adjust what that specific number is. But when you're a consumer of mental health services, you want to know that the person that you're seeking services from isn't just in it for the money. And so much of the crux of this conversation really comes around the, the why our therapists are there and really looking at this from that consumer standpoint is, okay, you've invested a lot, but I need help. And I want to know that you are truly in this for that help that I so desperately need from you and essentially this trying point of my life.
0: And I think to me, that balance is hard for therapists. I think especially because so many therapists have gotten into it for helping people, the goodness of their hearts, that kind of stuff. They were probably the people who have always been the ones that give advice. They've always been the ones that take care of other people. And so when when the money conversation starts coming up, I think what happens is saying, this is what I need to make, can feel very harsh. It can feel very much like you're not honoring that, that you're... that clients will see themselves just as a paycheck for you, and they won't recognize that it's just a matter of this is what I need to make in order to create the life that I need to create or to cover my costs or whatever it is. I think that interchange between client and therapist is very delicate. We did a Facebook Live with with Tiffany McLean, who speaks into this a lot, and recently, and she was talking about just kind of owning it and then having that conversation about the person that is in front of you, your client, and seeing what comes up for them when you say, this is my fee, or I have to raise my fee, or whatever it is, being able to just use that as therapeutic material. But that doesn't necessarily you know, speak to the the therapist side, which is, how do you feel very comfortable and not over- over-apologize or, or reassure, like, no, I really am not in this for the money. I really, and, and, and kind of, why do we have to? I think to me, I see other professions that are charging an hourly rate if they charge more, like attorneys are seen as greedy, right? Because they charge so much money and all that kind of stuff. But if we actually look at what they're doing, they're defending clients, they're helping them to, to be protected. And so this societal piece of, are you do you see me? Do you care about me? Are you in this for the right reasons? I think it's really hard to navigate because there's so many factors on the therapist side and on the consumer side of why this really shouldn't be a financial obligation.
1: I'm really glad that you bring up the lawyer's example of this because I came across a study recently. I believe that it was a a study of people within the American Bar Association. I'll include a link to this as well in the show notes, but it talked about how lawyers feel about other lawyers. And it kind of resoundingly said that the status of the profession has dropped over the last few decades because of the focus of some lawyers just on making more and more money. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's a very similar parallel that we're speaking to here for us that we really hold in balance with our episode a couple of weeks ago about who gets access to therapy. And one of the people that we referenced in the presentation that Katie saw is Michael Blumberg, who, after that episode dropped, sent a, a couple of very wonderful emails to me, and we're going to get him on yes. one of our future episodes here. So. Absolutely.
0: Uh,
1: but one of the points that Michael made is that we don't enter into this field with a vow of poverty, and that so we we know on one end, don't be like the lawyers who seek out just money for money's sake. And yes. on the other end, we have Michael's point of well, we should get something more than zero. Yeah. So there's a a ton of range in the middle. And I'm almost just kind of visualizing this for myself as this is, you know, kind of a supply and demand sort of crossing sort of graph of like there's a point where we are giving based on on our desires and our mission to help people, but there's also a level that we need to take in for ourselves to provide for ourselves and to be able to hold the respect for ourselves and the profession as far as the services that we provide. And so money just complicates a lot of this because what this does is it takes something that's a process that is fueled through a a social relationship, but then adds money onto it. And I think a lot of us at some point in our career or another have really heard some sort of comparisons of... You know, we're we're emotional prostitutes. We sell our <laughs> time and our listening for money. And I can see in a simplified way where people mean that as a as a metaphor that is just about providing a service, a social service just for money. But we do so much more in that that is really something that is really a lot more in that transactional business sort of way, which even at the end of a session, when a client writes you a check or hands you their credit card just kind of potentially for some people might feel that, okay, that hour just got cheapened because that money is there.
0: That's why I take my fees at the beginning or have them just a credit card on file. I'm just joking. But I think it's, it's something where I actually really appreciate the fact that I can just hit a button after they've left and charge the credit card because it does take that out of the room. Certainly when I have to renegotiate fees or get a new credit card on file, like that comes back in. But I do think that that's something that feels very much like the money on the nightstand right like it's 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 very hard to to square all of this but if you look at the opposite end which is what is the value of what we provide and i think to me when we look at what is being provided for a lot of clients not all clients but a lot of clients it's quality of life which is hard to really put a value on it's their life if they're suicidal, right? That makes it, you're saving their life. Mm-hmm. It can be their relationships. It can be so many pieces of things that are extremely important, but that we oftentimes don't place value on. And so in a traditional kind of sales model, when people are, you, you charge people what the outcome is worth, I think it's hard to do that. And I think there's, when we look at what the hour is worth to us and, and what our overhead is and all our training and that kind of stuff, it can be pretty expensive or it can actually, you know, depending on where you are in your career, where your office is located, the overhead could be very small. You know, there's probably some online therapists that have very low overhead costs mm-hmm. that, and they're still charging a, a fee that is sizable. So I think it's something where being able to identify what is Needed versus what's accepted versus how it's valued like I think all of that stuff gets very messy, and I think there's a lot of people that have like how do you set your fees there's you know fee calculators and you know all kinds of different things so there's ways for you to kind of figure out what you should charge but I think the the piece that we're trying to really look into is how the public perceives us when those fees are charged and I think because there's such a hard way a, a difficult time in, in trying to assign value, I think that's that's where we get into, but you should just like me and you should just treat me because I'm a good person and I, you know, and I need the help and and I'm, you know, I I'm so depressed. Why would you charge me with that much money? You know, I think there's that piece that can pull at our heartstrings, but also can make us seem insensitive.
1: Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their coinsurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
0: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thriser.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
1: I think all of us are either going to have or have had the question of why do you charge what you charge? The, that seems like an awful lot for what you do. And I think in the internal discussions that we have as therapists with each other, that we're we're very good at talking to other therapists. Sometimes we're not so good at conveying these ideas out to the public. Is yes. A lot of times I see at least an aspect of this within therapist discussion really come back to, well, these are people who don't value what we do and that we need to demonstrate what our value is to them and convince them of something where if they're asking this question, then it really is something where, I think Tiffany McLean does a great job of talking about this as being such rich clinical information and isn't something where you just need a simple, like one line answer in order to appease a client. And you can hear her talk about that at the Therapy Reimagine Conference coming up here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Shameless uh, plug sometimes you know it really just does come down to how much that we value ourselves and how much we're willing to share in that initial fee setting conversation about how how we look at that you know we have kind of these moral responsibilities and sometimes ethical duties to charge commensurate with the other people within our community and knowing kind of what the community standards of fees are but then we also need to look at kind of the uniqueness of what we offer. If you're providing a specialized service, if you're a certified eating disorder specialist that requires you know, such a, a great depth and breadth of study within the eating disorder world, that's going to be more than your general down the street therapist who might be a little bit sensitive to some of the issues that come up within that population. And so that should be something that does stand you out as as having more of an investment and more of a knowledge that can be shared with things. But I think one of the points that we're talking about here, though, is this is all in direct fee-for-service kind of situations and doesn't always necessarily accommodate things like Therapists who are within managed care panels or therapists who work in agencies who aren't necessarily negotiating these things or public assistance, Medicare, Medicaid, medi sort of situations where clients might not even be paying for these services directly themselves. And so I think to have a one-size-fits-all answer for consumers is really impossible to have because a lot of our podcast focuses just on the private practice end of things. But... These conversations are happening throughout the the consumer base of people uh, across all the spectrum of service seekers.
0: When you talk about the community mental health or the people that are on panels, I think that's a really good point because I've had not how do you set your fees and why you're charging that much because I think if people are using insurance, they recognize that that's set by the insurance panel or if they are in a Medicaid situation and they're not paying for services that they they recognize that there's, you know, they don't have their, they're not actually putting money in the line there. But I think that that question of, are you just in this for the money? Am I just a paycheck? That can happen regardless if they're handing you a check for $225, or if they are handing you 0 cents and just coming to see you at a clinic. And so I think, Going back to the clinical information and kind of the client perspective, but I also want to make sure we get to the the therapist perspective. I think that there is that insecurity around, am I important enough for you to just want to help me? Am I a human being? Do you see me? What is this for you? And I think when therapists are burned out, when therapists are strapped, when therapists don't have that compassion and empathy, there is more of an impression, and this is oftentimes the people who charge less or who have a lower salary or just you know really are not living the life that they have wanted to live, they're more likely to be the folks that are showing up with less of those resources, emotional resources available. And so the conversation, because I've had clients ask me that when I was not making a great salary, I was working at an agency like, I'm just a paycheck for you. And I'm like, if I could just tell you. (laughs) If it was just about the paycheck, I would have become another profession. Like, I would not have done this. You know, this is about what I want to do. But I think that that interchange, I think if therapists are uncomfortable with it or are not taking good care of themselves, they can't be present in that way. And so from the consumer, and it's like, I am so vulnerable over here. I'm telling you everything. And if this is just a transaction for you, that is gross, effed up yucky, kind of what those kind of trolls said. But it's not just clients who are having this re- reaction. It's also therapists who either are having trouble kind of quote unquote charging what they're worth, but also having a challenge seeing other clients saying, hey, I'm charging this much and and doing some shaming of other people who are, are charging more. And so to me, and I, I've got some ideas, but I know you've got some specific things about kind of the employment structure about why therapists are, are having such a hard time with this as well.
1: Yeah. And as I'm listening to you, it flashed me back to last year's Therapy Reimagine Conference and Ben Caldwell giving the opening presentation and talking about where therapist salaries have really been over the last 10 years and the median salaries in the U.S. largely being around $50,000 for clinicians. And Ben's done a ton of great research in his book, Saving Psychotherapy. I highly recommend it if you haven't read it yet. But as Ben was talking, I was sitting in the back of the room right next to the AV people. And the two AV guys at that time both turned their head and looked at me and mouthed, That's what you make? And so <laughs> I, I think, you know, that there's so little information about what what that money actually goes into that on one hand, if somebody is charging $200 a session, that if you put that out across, you know, the 2000 hours a year that if you're working a 40 hour week, which most of us aren't, then you know, that looks like a really high gross number. But the net number, once you start to put into running a business, potentially having employees, doing some of the passion projects that allows for your pro bono work to get out there for free, that we're really balancing out the people who can pay a little bit more for services with the other aspects that we bring out there. But speaking of how the training into our system really confuses this, is that When we start people in this profession, and I'm talking trainees and associates, in this field for no pay, or really, really low pay, people in those positions really have to make a decision of why am I doing this? And there's a lot of behavioral economic evidence that when people are underpaid for what they do, they either provide worse services Or they convince themselves that I must be doing this for a moral goodness as opposed to an income, and unless—and this is, you know, my second reference to to Ben here in just this short little (laughs) bit—but something that Ben is very fond of saying is that this is an unsustainable system that then makes it to where the only people who can afford to do this at low fee are the rich, and so we end up with a system that is by the rich and for the rich. Once people get into this place of, well, I'm not going to keep working for nothing forever. So, you know, there's there's a ton of advocacy efforts that Katie and I are doing just as far as getting people paid at all points in their career. But a big contribution of this is that decision that we are all faced with early in our careers. If I'm not getting paid, why am I doing this? And we spend a lot of years in the, well, I must be doing this because I like helping people which can be true, but when that becomes your own internal goal above being able to provide for yourself and provide for your family, then once we do actually get into a position where we can start negotiating our value, we're starting much lower than what our actual economic investment into this field to enter into it actually is.
0: Yeah, and I think I read something somewhere, and I'll find it and put in the show notes, but that when folks have had unpaid internships that they really are off to or low paid internships are off to a much worse start in their careers than folks who don't have an internship as far as trajectory and ability to promote and that kind of stuff. And so the way that our field is set up is really one where we do this kind of servitude in the beginning. And then when we move into the field, it's kind of like we've got these either kind of the moral compass weights around our ankles you know keeping us back but also we don't have the economic trajectory i think a lot of folks and i think there's been some laws that kind of shift that with not asking salary history and that kind of stuff and i think it was designed for trying to to decrease the wage gap for women and we are a feminized field so there's probably about 80 60 to 80% of us are women but I think that there's this piece of of really not getting the the notion or the the momentum towards a livable wage or a, or a really healthy income that will support a lifestyle that most people with master's degrees or doctoral degrees can expect and so I think we're set up in a way that that doesn't support us but I guess the question I have and I don't know that there's an answer and so Kurt, you can kind of weigh on, in on this, is there's other fields that do this that don't have the same issue. I mean, we think about doctors, and they have their, their rotations, and they have stuff where they aren't paid well either, I, is my understanding. And, and they still end up with at least the, the notion that they're, they're paid pretty well once they actually get through that gauntlet.
1: Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered.
0: Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free.
1: The reason why we need to get paid, that living wage, that living wage plus, is when we're responsible for other people at their most vulnerable times, we should not be in a position where we're so vulnerable that we're looking out for ourselves above our clients. That we almost need to lead the way as far as being in a place of stability in our personal life, our living situation, our ability to pay off our debts, to have a comfortable and sustainable life. So that way we can take care of other people when they're not able to do all of those things on their own. That's why we need to be in this position. And when we look at a number of of other professions, you bring up doctors who Mm -hmm. have a, a much higher cost of entry into their fields. And, you know, compared to what we're making in this field, it's, you know, on a per annual average salary basis, quite a bit higher than what we are, but they've got a lot higher loans. They've, got to enter into their own Kafka-esque maze of insurance and hospital <laughs> privileges and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but another way of looking at this too is comparable to some of the things that another highly underpaid profession is, which is teachers. And mm. one of the main differences that we have is that a lot of times in several places in the country is teachers' unions are fairly strong, and that they're able yeah. to at least collectively negotiate baselines of what what they do together and through that unity, which we don't have afforded to us in the nature of how our profession is really set up in a lot of settings. I, I understand that there's just some therapist unions across country, but by and large, when we're left to negotiate for ourselves, where I think therapists get kind of stuck in this. And and I think we're one of the few fields where consumers feel so comfortable at the beginning asking for, is that the best deal that you can give me? You know, do you, <laughs> is that, Do you have any sliding scale that I can provide no evidence that I qualify for? That yes. people are asking for that in the intake session that I don't think, you know, I've ever asked a dentist or a doctor, like, you know, hey, is that that the best that you can do? Like, mm-hmm. but I think it's because we're a field that's based on our own introspection so much that we start to second guess ourselves out of habit. So when we're faced with this transactional question that we immediately go into, well why are they asking? Why might they need this? Am I comfortable with meeting their needs in this way that we end up stammering and then just kind of going to rescue the client rather than being able to put ourselves in that economic situation to where we can actually take care of them post that conversation about money.
0: Yeah. I think it can be about rescuing clients. I think it can also be about a deep shame that you have financial needs. Because I think what our field has put out there is that we are caring, giving people who care about people that are doing this because we want to help people. And so much of, of the stuff that I've heard, and not not in, in the more recent conversations, and certainly not in the people around Tiffany, but I think these conversations about shame on you for, needing that or for asking for that much money. And it, it just denies our humanity and it denies our, our true needs and wants and, and vision. And I think, yeah, it's rescuing the client because the client's like, Hey, whatever. But I, I, I actually think it's rescuing ourselves from feeling so uncomfortable that we have to ask for that much money or we want to ask for that much money. I think there's just, there's, such an internal turmoil about asking for that fee. I mean, I think it can go to worth too. You, what you said earlier, like, am I, is it really worth that much? I'm just sitting here talking to somebody. Maybe I'm doing some EMDR or whatever, or some fancy interventions. But a lot of the times we're actually um, just in relationship. Like, should I be paid $200 an hour to be in relationship with someone? You know, I, I think that there's there's so much of it that gets so tied up into this that, Maybe we're rescuing the clients, but I think it's just so uncomfortable for us to sit on that other side. And I think there's so much shame from from therapists who aren't doing it that it feels like a battle.
1: I'm making this up on the spot, but for any of our listeners, (laughs) assuming that you're not driving and that you're otherwise safe, I want you to think of yourself yourself and just kind of the feelings that come up with when you think of yourself at a higher fee rate in other words if your fee is $100 an hour think of yourself at $150 an hour and i want you to really notice what that feeling is that immediately comes up for you because that is really the difference between looking at are you in this for the money are you in this for what clients are able to value your services at? Or is this the level that you need to to take care of yourself? And I think the feelings that you will come up with are really going to put more to the forefront of your mind some of the things that we're talking about and to make this a lot more personal for you as far as what your value is. And that's not to say that you need to raise your fees to that or that you're even going to be comfortable with that, but it's going to start that internal value that you, that internal worth that you value yourself at that is really going to put this forward and to really help you make this broader conversation more personal.
0: I was in a private practice seminar several years ago and the, the, the presenter was kind of having folks respond to different fees and kind of determining what you could raise your fee to kind of as an emotional level. Um, it was Casey Truffaut. And, and it was something where once you got to that kind of that level where you were at discomfort, she said, that's your fee, you know, and kind of feel into that and, and own that fee. And to me, I see that point. And I, see, and I think that it's, it's something where that's, that can be a way you set your fee. <laughs> I think to me, if it is about a feeling what do i feel comfortable charging that can be great it can work well for people if they they have that sense of value i think for me when i really started looking at my costs my what i needed to bring home what you know what i needed to take care of and, and like looked at it really granularly really Strictly, like I you know, if I have these personal goals, whether it's I want to retire at this age or I want to travel to this place or I want to do this type of renovation of my home or I want to own a home or whatever it is, when you go to that place of what are my actual financial goals and finding out what I needed to charge, given how many clients I could see a week or yet to be at my best, that kind of stuff, it was it was hard, but it felt more practical to me. Like, I know I need to charge this amount. I know I have this this many spaces that I can actually slide to if I want to slide. I can have this many insurance spots. Like to me, once I got to that practical place of these are the commitments I've made to my husband, these are the commitments I've made to myself, and this is the, the actual hard numbers that I have to charge, for me, that felt better because I, I still don't know if I feel totally comfortable with the fees that I'm charging 100% of the time. But I know that I have to in order to make these commitments because of my overhead, because of my personal goals, because of those things. And so I think that you can, I think you can do both things. I think you have to be able to charge the fee and be comfortable enough with it. Because if you aren't, you're going to be like, oh, well, I guess I have a sliding scale. But I think you also have to really understand what you need to charge. Because I think a lot of people are like, I want to make this much money. And then when they figure out how much they have to charge, they're not willing to do it. And so I think it's, I think it's this combination of qualitative and quantitative data that you have to give yourself.
1: And that's what I was just going to say is I don't think that it's something where you can do both sides of this. I think it's something that you should do both sides. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on this in our Facebook group, the modern therapist group. We are definitely continuing to have this conversation at therapy. Reimagine conference that's sponsored by simple practice. We got 14 CEs that simple practice is covering the administration of that kind of stuff it's october 17th 18th and 19th if you're a big listener you might notice that i'm dropping in a third day the 17th is our wonderful psychosocial mixer uh <laughs> kurt's so proud of that name <laughs> so proud of that name Uh, It's really our kickoff and our come and hang out. Uh, You can get tickets to that also at mtsgpodcast.com. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whittle with Katie Verneuil. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thrizer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code Therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
0: Thanks so much to our partner Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget using promo code modern gets you two free months.